welcome to How Come They Didn't Teach Me That in School podcast. We are very, very excited. My name is Mariah Covington, and I am here with Liz Dextramaza. I'm also very excited. Sorry, guys. Like, it is (laughs) Saturday morning. We are recording for you guys. Unplanned to know that just before we started recording, the election results would be called after a very long election week. Yes, yes. We are very, very excited about the results. Um, I am just, I didn't know it was, I was like, why are all these horns going off? I thought it was somebody's birthday, COVID birthday party going through. And I was like, what is happening? And then uh, my husband was like, it happened. And finally, we finally know it feels like it's been forever, but then not really when you look at it. Time is, well, is off here. It, it feels like it's been forever because every day it's been Groundhog's Day. When you turn on the news, <laughs> The news that I watch, it says election night results is the title of the news broadcast. And it's been going on for what, four or five days? Election, this is election week results. This is the longest election experience I've had in my lifetime. So we wanted to jump in and talk with you guys today. We're like, we're going to even put this out early because it's right on the top of it. What has this week looked like for you and your students and your families from an emotion regulation perspective? Because this is a topic that's going to be talked about in schools across the country this week, has been being talked about for the last week, and will be spoken about, I believe, in history, in the books, for the next several generations. So we wanted to come in today on our podcast to talk about how are you and your schools going to talk about the experience from an emotional perspective, from a social emotional perspective with all of your students. So we're excited to be here with you guys today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back each week to hear what we have to share about this. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, for me, it was like United States of anxiety the entire week. I, let me tell you, I was like, you know what? After I vote, like I voted early, and then after that, I didn't touch the TV. I didn't do nothing. I was mad when people kept talking about it on the group chat. I'm like, I don't want to talk about this right now. Tuesday, I know you were, you and I have chatted throughout the week, Mariah, and I was surprised, to be honest, that you were not as up to date as I was on things. And I know I'm like, I want to know what's going on, and I, and part of me wanting to know what's going on, is as a model for my three kids, that they should be interested, that this is important, Mm -hmm. that they know that this is life-changing, impactful, how elections go, which is not an experience I had as a child at all. You know, I grew up, you know, I'm a Vietnamese American woman. I have, my mother is full of Vietnamese. My father was Caucasian. And I grew up in a household where we were taught you don't talk about politics and I actually don't know. I have assumptions, but I actually don't know and have never known who my parents voted for in any election that's ever happened. And I am trying to flip that script for my kids in my house that we pay attention to politics. We look at how politics and our government impacts our lives, our families, our values. Um, so we've been very involved this week and we've had CNN on a lot. And so I just, you know, this is what we watch cause that's our news broadcast. So, you know, where I stand on that. 
Um, and so it's been a very interesting experience. So we wanted to talk to you all about this week on what this election week and this election political time was like from an emotional regulation standpoint. How do you as a school address it? Because we have to be non-judgmental and bipartisan. And then how do you prepare your kids, your students, your families for the weeks to come um, between this morning for us where the election was called for one person, for um, Vice President Joe Biden, and what the next several months, couple months will look like until the inauguration and what that's going to be. Mm -hmm. And I want to, you know, just take a minute to just be, live in the moment. To just be, yeah, just be happy for me. You know, Kamala went to Howard. She's a black woman. And so it just means so much to us. I knew how it would be the first HBCU to do it. I knew we would. <laughs> but I'm just, I, yeah, I'm just over the moon about it. it. It just means so much to us. It means so much. Like, I feel like as an HBCU family, you know, wherever you went, we all went. We all went. And it definitely, we always been legitimate. We always been, you know, all a lot of that. But it just, me, it just, it puts it on a different stage so that everybody knows. And she's also in a black sorority um and that you know they had a huge voter turnout so it's just definitely um something that means a lot a lot to me so i was very excited you know when i i was on a walk this morning with my husband and our dog and taking for a walk and all of a sudden my phone started blowing up and i looked at it and i saw the election has been called that president joe vice president joe biden has will be our next president and i came to tears and here's the reason I want to share why I came to tears, because yes, I'm excited that Joe Biden will be our next president. And even more so, I'm excited that our first woman in the White House, Michelle Obama, love her. She was fantastic. She was not elected. Our first elected person in the White House is not only a woman, she is an Asian black woman, right? That our kids, our girls will have a model that we can do anything. Like that is the, like, I look at my daughter who can see that she can do anything. She's got a role model in there and it is about damn time that we get to have a woman in the white house in an elected position. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited about that. And that's not what this whole episode is about. This episode for us is about what have we done to be effective in dealing with the roller coaster of emotions this week? And how do we prepare our students for the potential next couple of months of political roller coasters? Mm -hmm. And um, my school has done such a good job of um, talking to the kids about it every single day. So they watch CNN 10 um, and every time it's like this short version of the news, just real quick. Um, and they talk about the election every day. And my kids, they were on a lot of anxiety, right? They, they were like, if he, you know, they were very... Um, they just were, they were just having a moment. And then another thing that 
I noticed with children is that you have to watch where they get their news from. So a big issue that I see with my children, my students is that they get their news from social media, from TikTok. I don't know, like TikTok, I'm like, how is TikTok some, some type of media source? But somehow TikTok and Instagram. And so they're in YouTube. So they're watching these YouTube videos that, and it, they start to get into these conspiracy theories um, and they start to listen to people who might not be, you know, have the correct information. So the first thing that you need to do with your students is clear all that up and address it head on and say on social media, I see this or on TikTok, I see this because uh, or ask them what they're looking at or what is social media saying about it? Because a lot of times when I hear my kids say I'm shocked and I'm like, I'm the type of counselor. I have my head to the ground, I have my ear to the street. Like I know what's going on with my kids. I'm not physically there, so it's not as good, but I like know what like the little games they're playing with your students. Yeah, your very kids. much. Very much. And so I know like, okay, and they'll talk to me about like real stuff. So when I hear this stuff, I'm like shocked that they're, they're listening to these people on YouTube. Like these, you know, just kind of just left, you know, left or right wing kind of just, I, I don't know, you know, why they're attracted to it, but they listen to it. So that's something that you just want to give them the correct kind of bipartisan, just straight facts. Information. So we have to teach them how to check the facts. Where do you go for facts? And being very aware, I think it's equally aware to let them know, like, you need to check the facts and understand where your information is coming from and what is the skewed judgment that your facts might be coming, coming through. Like, if you are listening to more conservative-based um, news, they're going to have one interpretation of the facts. If you're coming from more liberal-based news, they're going to have another interpretation of the facts. So where do you go to check reality? Or how do you know when those facts have a skewed judgment to them. That's what we talk a lot about in DBT Steps A and our skills of being non-judgmental, that we are trying often to get away from the evaluative judgments that are based on perspective. And I think it's really important that we talk to our kids about that and we show different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell, you know, schools and teachers and even with my own kids, like, let's listen to two different news outlets from different perspectives and see how they interpret the facts so that you can have this experience and to understand that. Because I think it is important that we teach our kids, our students, to how to differentiate what's perspective and what is factual. Mm -hmm. And as a counselor, you know, like at this week, I've had sessions with all of my students and I've asked head on, like, what's your thoughts about the election? It was pulling, like, pulling teeth <laughs> a, little, a little bit. Um, you know, uh, some of my kids, so I have, mo like, I have a, a good amount of boys. Um, so they're not, they're like, eh, whatever. Um, a lot of, you know, one of my kids said to me, I said, you know, what are your thoughts on Wednesday? I said to him, what are your thoughts about the election? He was like, nothing, because nothing's going to change. So you have to be, you know, expecting that too. And then I went into explaining like, okay, well, this will change and that will change. And he's like, there's still going to be racist people. Oh, look how many people voted for him. Like, I don't see anything really changing. Um, and, and that's something that I was like, kind of like, ooh, I was, I felt a little stuck, but then I was like, no, let's check the facts on that. Is that really true? Does that mean that nothing will change? Mm -hmm. I think, 
I think this is what's so important, you know, and I, when I think about the roller coaster of this week and coming in, we talked a lot about how it's important that you have COPA head skills, that you have skills ready for whatever the outcome has been. And, you know, we've shared a lot on our Parenting Through COVID-19 live stream about how we prepared our kids this time, different from the 2016 election, for any possible outcome. You know, the night before election, my daughter said to me like, mom, who do you think's gonna win? Really, like, like, just tell me. And I had to say to her, in all honesty, because I, I could tell she was looking for me to just say, we're gonna have a democratic win. And I could, for multiple reasons, one, because I didn't believe it, but two, I wanted to not provide a false hope of not believing of, I actually don't know. There is a chance that either one of them can win. I am not, I don't believe that it's going to be an overwhelming sweep. And even if I do believe, I don't know if that's going to happen because we don't know. We have to understand from the 2016 election to the 2020 election, the reality of where our country stands. And I think on Tuesday night, for many people, when I put it into my skills-based language, was a moment of a lot of radical acceptance that when you saw the numbers coming in, they were, they were the way they were on Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, that for many people having to come to the realization that we may not live in the country we thought we did, that it may be skewed in a different way. And there's a lot of sadness and grieving that has to come up with from that before we can move forward. But it was also um, a huge um, educational experience of recognizing these are the facts of the moment by the numbers and the numbers are changing and we have to give time and the ability to ride out the wave without jumping to conclusions before we knew the results. I mean, we had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> now it sounds so Saturday long. Saturday <laughs> morning. And I mean, they've made their projections and who they th believe is going to win. We're still not finalized of that ability to ride out that emotional wave, to be mindful of your current emotions in this moment while holding on to, we still don't know the outcome. So even in this moment on this Saturday where half the country and I'll say half because it's only about a 4 million person difference, which is a lot and not overly significant um, that are celebrating that we are here. Mm -hmm. Another significant portion of the country is in a different mindset. Yes. Not having that experience. And I think there is still this moment of true radical acceptance of the country that we live in. And it feels so, it hurts sometimes for me. Mm -hmm. It hurts. Um, I know it's, 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 really, it's really difficult for me to, because I, I know what it is, right? But it feels like a slap in the face every time I see it. Like, I know, I know that there are people who don't like certain people or for whatever reasons they vote for other people. But I know, like, to me, it's like, wow, it really like, it's almost like a punch to the stomach every time. 
my heart drops. Literally, my heart drops in my stomach. When I look at those numbers, I'm like, wow, 65 million people? We got a long way to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and it depends on where you live and what it looks like. And we'll post this with us. But I, I think I sent you this picture the other day, Mariah, of this image I found that looked at, you know, it said, lands don't vote, people do. And this was something that I spent a lot of time with my kids on because they really didn't understand the electoral college mm-hmm. and this idea how we'll look at the state of Michigan, for example, 10 counties out of the very many, I don't, I think it's maybe a hundred counties, maybe more in the state of Michigan. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact numbers. 10 counties voted blue. And when you look at the map, it is overwhelmingly red in the state of Michigan. And it's very, it's confusing for young kids yeah. to look at that and say, I would be mad if I was all these red counties and these couple of counties made the difference. Yeah. And then I showed another map that said, you know, with the land doesn't vote, people do, because that map was red and blue based on population centers. Mm-hmm. And to show that where there's very few, a significantly fewer amount of people in the overwhelmingly red states um, on that map. And I want to make sure we post this when we put it on um, social media so people could see this. And being able to look at that in a factual way and compare those two presentations with students helps give perspective and even more so helps understand the electoral college. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that's, I think not understanding electoral college is where a lot of the conspiracy theories come from. Mm -hmm. And And we have to educate our kids on this. Yes, and they seem right. They seem right. You're like, well, how could somebody win the, lose the popular vote, but then electoral college and who are these people? And they don't tell us who these people, you know, so that's where a lot of it. So I, I, I love that you said that and that they, you know, that that's understood from your kids because I look at it sometimes too. And I'm like, that's a lot of people, you know, but, and, and staring at these maps all week, when you look I, at a, you know, like, the map. <laughs> pretty red map with a couple blue spots. You're like, Oh, now I get why all those people are angry. Mm-hmm. And it's that phrase of all those people, we have to check the facts on. Because that is land, you know, and I live where I live in Seattle. We're kind of on post-it notes, I call them, because it's a highly densely populated area versus when you are in more rural areas and you've got acres and acres and acres that you live on. You know, in Seattle, where I am, our property, our our property, the amount of property we have is defined by square footage because nobody gets close to anything about an acre. You know, whereas you get, right? <laughs> when you get into other places where it's like, I live on a half acre, quarter acre, three quarters acre, 17 acres, and you got one family there where we don't even, I don't even know how many acres, how many families would live on one acre of land in these more densely populated areas. And I think when we're taught teaching and educating kids, that's an important part to help them check the facts on. And giving them hope too. I, I tell my kids all the time. So my kids are in eighth grade and most of them are either 13 or 14. And I'm like, you have four more years and you get to vote. Right. You get to vote in the next election. This is huge. Like I know that for my oldest, he, he's a September birthday. 
he will vote in the next presidential election. Like the radical acceptance and the reality of acknowledging that is pretty significant. I was, because of when the elections were in my birth year, I was 21 before I got to vote in my first presidential election. So it was when I was in high school, it was still pretty far off. In four years, my oldest child will vote. And for the kids to understand that, and even more reason for us to be able to talk to them in school, not just from a historical perspective, um, but also to be able to like explain to them how this process works so they can recognize that their vote matters and to understand the up and down emotional turbulence mm -hmm. that comes with it. It's pretty significant. So, you know, I wanted just to kind of talk about, you know, I said I had a lot of up and down emotions myself this week. I had done a lot of work with my kids, my families, and the coaching I did with lots of schools this week about coping ahead for the unknown outcome based on the reality of what we've been seeing in our country for the last four years and knowing the numbers. And now I also think it's really about being mindful of the current moment and what checking the facts about what we know and don't know for the future. On this day, on Saturday, November 7th, the country is sitting with the projections of our news organizations about who has been declared the next president of the United States. And many people are having emotional experiences about that. And we will, for those who are pro-democratic, excited about a change, the Biden-Harris um, administration coming in, I think it's also important to, one, be in the moment, with a little hashtag for many people, hope restored, faith restored, and simultaneously radically accept this moment is this moment. And we do need to do some coping ahead and problem solving for the months ahead where I think there will be some controversy. Mm -hmm. There will be recounts in states that had very small margins, which makes sense. We absolutely should be doing those. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that should and happen based on what president trump has already said there will be the push to go to the supreme court so this may or may not be a peaceful transition i actually don't know and the radical acceptance of sitting with we don't know and using that in a manner to helpfully skillfully regulate and figure out how do we cope ahead understand our emotions and not be sucked into this emotion-minded roller coaster of the up and down, up and down, and letting anger for whichever side you're on it overtake you. Yeah. And 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 he has every right to go to the Supreme Court too. Absolutely. Like like that's another thing too. Like as much as it feels like, okay, dude, like just go ahead and just throw in that towel. Um go ahead and start packing. You tweeting. I need you to pack. But no and, like, and let's, like that is our personal viewpoint mm -hmm. and how we have to work with our kids in schools has to be beyond our personal viewpoints. And we have to come through and make sure we are helping our students to have the most skillful structure and support to ride out this emotions. Because as adults, we have a higher ability to do that because our brains are just more developed. Mm -hmm. Our kids need our guidance because the developmental stages of their brains, their prefrontal cortex, their amygdala are not there yet. Yeah, and, and just, I, I think too, it's hard. 
I know for my school, my school is very um, progressive, very pro, we're, I always say this every, every episode, but we're 100% black, 80% male. So heavy, you know, Biden Harris ticket, that's kind of how it is at my school. Um, so it's not so much of a, like, um, of a butting of heads there. It's not like we're in an area, I live, we're in, we're in the heart of the city. So it's not like there's this, and DC is very, very liberal. So it's, I don't experience that push and pull or that, um, controversy in the school. I don't experience that at my school at all, which is, it's a good thing. And I think that, um, it stops us from, looking at the other other side and understanding the other side right um, there's a potential for your school and your students to get very non-dialectical correct and this ability we have to like hold up the other side we like to like present it to the students as we may live in a bubble of our collective perspectives and And so does the other side so does the other other side and it is Mm -hmm. our job to help you be more non-dialectic to be more dialectical and bring up the other side what is the perspective of the others whether we think they're right or wrong let's get our judgment away if we put ourselves in their shoes for a moment based on their history their perspective just as we do for ourselves can we see both sides we don't have to agree with both sides and can we see it based on what they've been taught their history their experiences can we help our students to see a more dialectical perspective as the path to help them riding out the up and down emotions of understanding? Because I know like I've got kids in middle school, elementary school, and, be, and I, I really put a big piece of this to their brain develop, stage of development. They are very righteous as children often are. They have a point, they hold it, and their ability to see other kids, other people's perspectives is difficult. It's, it's it is difficult. our job mm-hmm. as the adults to help teach them strategically and formally how to see the other side, how to see another person's perspective, because otherwise they're just going to get angry and be confused over and over again. And when and, anger and confusion goes up, behavior problems go up. Mm-hmm. And you get stuck. And they get really stuck. So we have to help guide them in being more dialectical, honoring the truth in both sides by being able to see both sides of an argument, not agree with it, and to like radically accept that other people have different pieces. And it's not that it's bad or wrong in a judgmental sense, is that it's different. And it's based on their values And sometimes people have different perspectives because they think people should be treated equally, but there is one thing that is the most important thing to them, Mm -hmm. right? So for example, and just kind of putting this out there, not to have my own evaluation of it or not, like there are people who the only thing that matters to them when they vote is being pro-life. Yep. That is their highest priority value. And they vote on that. Or I've heard people, I know people who've said, my highest priority value is my financial legacy in the stock market. So this president versus that president vote is about how it will impact 
that financial legacy, right? Whatever it is, is that person's perspective. And so we don't want to judge that as good or bad. It's seeing that not everybody has the same lens. Yeah. And we can agree to disagree. And there is this piece for me in this last week, like that radical acceptance of it's not based on logic, letting it go off of logic and radical acceptance that we might not live in the country that we thought we did. Right. And you and I have had this conversation where I like, I like really coming down to this level of sadness of almost half of our country does not have the same values as the other half. And it's until we radically accept that and acknowledge it, can we move to the step of action? When I think about our AAA model and DBT steps A of awareness, acceptance, and action, we can't move to effective action until we radically accept the reality we live in. And our country is a divided country. And there are people who do not represent, half the people do not represent the same values as the other half. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's so hard to not get caught up in the judgment. Mm -hmm. And and notice how those judgments fuel your, the intensity of your emotions. It does. It does for me. And so I, I know when I'm talking to my students, it's so, it's so hard not to get, not to get caught up. Um, I do a little bit better job of pulling back because they get so caught up. So we can't be caught up together. That Mm, doesn't work. Right. Then Um, you're all one-sided and then your emotions are growing in judgments against the other side. Yes, exactly. And I, I, I fully understand where they're coming from too. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's really, um, something that I, I, I struggle with, um, personally and professionally, with understanding the other side, because I feel very strongly about that other side, like that other side and, and what, you know, and I had, a, it's a, um, I was talking to somebody at work and he was saying, well, I'm not going to vote for anybody. And he was like, well, because I don't believe in gay marriage. And so that, that's, the, that's one the thing point vote. It's a yes. one viewpoint vote. And so I'm like, you, you really voting on one point. So like, I, but then I really took the time to understand and really talk to him. So I felt very much differently after that. Like, okay, like I understand what he's saying. I don't agree with what he's saying. And I don't think that if I didn't have that perspective of listening, of hearing that person, of understanding there's a, other side, I, I would not have been able to even do it. Like even my perspective of listening to him, I still, I still don't agree. Like there's never, I don't think I'm ever going to agree with that. (laughs) That's, that is what I think is so important that we really work on for ourselves so we can model to our students in schools to be able to understand and see these different perspectives. I grew up with an education that was a very skewed perspective. And it wasn't until I learned my DBT skills, I lived in other parts of the country, was I able to understand that there are very there are different perspectives. And I think now more than ever, we have to teach our students how to take a dialectical perspective, how to see the other side of an argument as a way of building empathy, compassion, relations, and understanding from a more non non-judgmental perspective um, mm-hmm. to make them more effective in their own lives. 
Mm -hmm. And it happens. It's not just with politics. I think the skills, you know, obviously you can use it for everything. And so you don't want to be like, oh, well, I want you to see the other perspective, the other person's side that you hurt their feelings or you said something hurtful. But you don't you, you don't have to see the other side for politics. You don't have to do that because that person's this and that person's that. Like you want to stay consistent too. Like if I'm going to tell you, okay, you need to take perspective taken and, you know, okay, how does, how do you think that other person, not how the other person feels, but just putting yourself in their shoes and all of those things, but then you cut it off for the politics side that doesn't work, right? Like that's not consistent. Right. And it's like, we have to get rid of the shorthand judgments. Like I think because we have a divided country, there is this experience just to be kind of use an example what, regardless of what size, if you're on one side, you look at the other side as good or bad. So if you're on the Democrat side, you hear Republican bad, Democrat good. And if you're on the Republican side, you hear Republican good, Democrat bad. Those shorthand judgments leave out so much information. So our ability to, to describe non-judgmentally somebody else's experience and perspective helps to decrease the emotion, our emotion intensity and to have a better understanding of the people we live with mm-hmm. and live around. Mm-hmm. They're I not feel going- like, Mariah, you and I could go on for hours about this. This is something that's very near and dear to our hearts. It's both personal and professional. And we want to make sure that our teachers, our school staff have some preparation for how to work with their students over the next couple of months. So as we say with every one of our episodes, we might have to do a part two on this. Um, what are, like, I have one or two things. What are one or two things that you want to say that in schools, strategies, teachers, school staff, mental health professionals should be using with their kids? I would say find out, one, where they're getting their information, what information they think that they, they're getting, like where, where their head's at. Just find out where their head's at. Keep, keep your ear to the ground. Like understand where, what all the kids are saying or what they're all looking at, right? Because they, they tend to follow each other. They're kids. So that's number one. And number two, lead, give them like an open forum or open time to just talk and discuss, whether it be individual, individual or in a small group or whatever it is that, you know, your school can do, but just, and then give them that time to kind of just get it out. And if you have some type of like divided school, because I'm guessing there are schools that are very divided, um, depending on where you live, like there's some schools that, you know, there's 50-50 of the population believes one thing, especially if they're in high school, right? So have that time where you can have open forum to have them talk to each other so that they can understand each other set some rules down first because you know how kids can get or even adults set some rules down first and let them listen to each other and hear it out but i i want to make sure that we're just like first i just think that we have to come from where they're like just understand where they're coming from and what they're listening to like even if it's like youtube philosophy just what what are you hearing what what are people saying right like just just knowing that first is where you want to come from just a, a, a awareness of where they're coming from yeah i love that and i think that's so important and the two things i would say is it's so important to help ourselves and our kids and our students to understand this idea of taking on a dialectical perspective, that you help them to see when they get stuck of my way, my viewpoint, how can you bring up the other side? Why do you think somebody else 
my, might be on the other side? What might be their values that are important to them? We don't have to agree with them. We can also understand from their perspective, from their history, from where they live, from their life experience, why something else may be equally important to them as to what our life experiences is important to us. I really want us to practice being non-judgmental and looking for this question of how do I bring up the other side? How can I see one point of perspective in the other person? Yeah. And I, I, I'm, this is my last point here, but regulate yourself. Know where you stand too. If you know that's not a conversation that you can have and be effective, then don't have it. Don't have it. Push it to somebody else that you think they can do it or don't do it at all. Because you want to make sure at, at every moment when you're in a school and you know, you know, they tell you this all the time, you are modeling. They're watching you. Put your oxygen mask on yourself before you try to assist another person. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do it without getting caught up, just don't. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like we can keep talking about this. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this conversation. I hope you found it valuable and have some points on how you're going to talk to your kids and your students and in your own experience with all of this. Uh, we want to hear your feedback. So share with us on social media what you think. Mariah is going to tell you all of our social media access points. I know Jim, my husband, and I will be talking a lot about this on our live stream at dbt in schools on both instagram and facebook we do that monday wednesday and friday mornings at 7 a.m pacific time come hear about us there and keep checking us out we're glad you're listening to our podcast we appreciate that you're here and we appreciate that you're here for your students yeah and so you can check us out on um how come they didn't podcast on uh instagram and how can they didn't podcast at gmail.com send us your thoughts your questions your concerns what what you're doing in your school how your kids are reacting i, I especially want to hear from students or uh, schools that have kind of this 50 50 population like how's it going what's going on um just let us know so hit us up yes and screen share like it and share it with your colleagues your friends your families of uh, you found this helpful we look forward to our next episode with all of you and go skillfully, be mindful, and let's all practice our being non-judgmental and dialectical in these next few weeks. Bye.